everyone and what is going on we've got an exciting live stream this week it's get vocal it's the nerd room and we are joined by some fantastic guests this week and we're here to discuss all things mandalorian we've got probably the most exciting content we've seen in Star Wars in quite some time and we're going to gush we're going to at times yell potentially <laughs> and just have some fun it is the holiday season guys we're all penned up we're all locked up it's been quite a 2020 but lucasfilm star wars favreau and filoni have delivered something very special for us to discuss today and it's got the entire star wars fandom absolutely lit on fire but guys we're going to get into this. But first things first, as you can see, those on the live stream right now, we are short a couple of the Nerd Room crew, but we are joined by some very good friends in the podcasting space. A couple guys that we've been talking to lots on Twitter. We've been sharing a lot of positive vibes with. And we're going to start off with some introductions. And I'd like to welcome Nico, his father, and Zednik to the podcast. And it's funny. I call I say his father because I can't remember in my head. And I'm still trying to remember. Is it Daddy Bats? It's, Un yeah, unfortunately, that's what they. He doesn't like it. It didn't. It just wasn't going to roll off my tongue, and so I felt <laughs> uncomfortable saying it out loud. But I had to get into that space. So, guys, welcome to the podcast. Welcome Thank to you. the Nerd Room. We're on Get Vocal. We're live streaming here. And we're going to talk some Star Wars, but like I said, first things first, let's get some intros. Nico, I'm going to throw it to you and Daddy Bats there first. Tell us a bit about yourselves. Tell us a bit about your Star Wars fandom, and then also about your podcast. Yeah, sure. Well, first and foremost, we're so honored to be here. Thank you so Absolutely. much for having us. This is so cool, and we really feel honored because this is like a really big day in Star Wars, like <laughs> since maybe Force Awakens, it's maybe even bigger than The Force Awakens, and we get to be on here talking with you guys live. This is amazing. Yeah, so um, a little bit about us. I'm just going to give like a blanket for all three of us, then we'll get specific. So we're about uh, 15 minutes outside of the city of Chicago. It's central mm -hmm. time where we're at. It's about an hour later than you guys, but it's great. We're here. Um, intro to Star Wars for me, this guy. Um, we have a show called The Vigilante 1939. It's a DC-leaning podcast, but we talk a little Marvel, a little Star Wars, a little video games, a little Oscar talk, award season, but Ironically, uh, Star Wars was my first love because of this guy, as you can see. Mm -hmm. And I really owe it to him. He um, he corrupted me at a young age with everything. Um, a lot of kids were reading Dr. Seuss when they were five or six. I was reading uh, Shadows of the Empire, sure. uh, Craven's Last Hunt, and uh, oh, Return. So he was a great father. And I learned a lot about uh, darkness early, but taught me how to be that's adult, right. a man, etc. Right, right, right. So, but your Star Wars story is more interesting because you were there. You were, yeah. You know, I was. I can honestly tell you guys that back in 1977, I, I think I was 11 or 12, and um, has someone that age when when it ever was on TV, obviously the the uh, trailer, it just caught my eye like immediately, and and thank God it also caught my father and my mother. And we went to the show and, and my, I have a sister that's much younger than me, but she was only about five or six at the time, but we were hooked from day one and we went as a family and it was just one of those like transformations. You know, when you see a movie as a, as a young, as a young adult, I guess, 11, 12. And young then adult, you're like a teenager. Well, <laughs> you're like a preteen brother. And then, and then just to go, you know, so like it, it hooked me immediately, right. Everything about it. And then, to be able to go see the Empire Strikes Back a few years later, 
And when that movie ended, I've never been so shocked in my life. Like, how does a movie end on a cliffhanger? Like, we never, nobody saw that. Remember, this is, there's no internet. Nobody told you anything going into these movies. You went in, you saw them, they were, and then you walked out. And, like, my mind was blown with that. And then I've been a fan ever since. And uh, I was lucky enough to have a couple of children, very blessed. And, of course, I wanted to impart the Star Wars, my, my Star Wars love. I didn't force it on him, and I didn't force it on my daughter. I like to think it came kind of naturally with a little bit of a push, but <laughs> yeah, a little mean, bit of a push. Yeah. Right. Was, well, what, what really told me that we'll throw it to Zenick Wilker is he, he's a, he's a really big collector. Yeah. So toys were never an issue for me. I mean, there's ones I was allowed to touch and there's ones I wasn't allowed to touch and <laughs> there were less ones I was allowed to touch could collecting. But um, I really think it's because I would come in, he has this giant display case in the basement. And I mean, you have the stormtroopers, which are, you know, the coolest thing ever. Everyone knows the Empire is cooler than the Rebellion. They're bad. We know, <laughs> but they're awesome. And you want to be when I want to be a scout trooper. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, it was really the toys. Start playing with the toys. And you would slowly explain like, yeah, so that's Luke Skywalker. He's a Jedi or whatever. So right. I would watch him as I, mm-hmm. I would be able to put two and two together. And that's really it. And then we've of course uh, shown them. And of course, Nick, he'll get into him, but Nick and Nick and Nick went to school together. We went to grade school together. Yeah. And our, um, our, we're friends with his parents. So like, you know, Star Wars was just always like such a family thing. So ever, ever since they were like four or five, right. The adults would get together. You put the movies on. <laughs> <laughs> Close in a room. Kids are watching a new home. <laughs> ACL things. But, and then the other cool thing too, you guys, was that they just happened to be born at the right time to where then the prequels were coming out. Mm-hmm. So it was like so exciting that I shared with them the past and now we were going to experience the future together or the past as in the prequels, whatnot. <laughs> but it was, that was a real trip because they were young guys. But again, we, we took them to the shows and, we would go to the Toys R Us out here and at midnight and stand in line to get the action figures when they would release them. So we just created Star Wars has just been such a great social yeah. family gathering um, for us. And the fact that we're sitting here with you guys and talking to you about new stuff and new content is what makes the whole thing just unbelievably great and wonderful. Yeah, it's such a beautifully generational franchise. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing the story about you guys sharing this passion and growing up with the passion, much like most of us did. Right. And it's funny you say that about the collecting and all that. I'm the same way. I've got a room full of collectibles that my daughters aren't allowed to touch. They have their own Star Wars toys. <laughs> right. But they also have all this stuff. And you know, they come in once in a while and say, hey, can we maybe open this or do this? Or can I touch? No, no, no. Right. <laughs> you know? And it's... It, it, it's so great. And I, I love hearing that. And I love the perspective that that brings with the two of you on your podcast. It, it's so great to see that, that generational uh, discussion that, that really brings an extra bit of weight to the discussions that you guys do have. And then with Zednik here, kind of throwing it in, you guys being childhood friends and all that. Mm-hmm. I'll throw it mm-hmm. to you, man. Like, what's your Star Wars story? It sounds like it was a, a family affair, which is amazing. And I love that. Mm-hmm. But, but how deep does that go for you? Are you, you a big fan? I know you've been writing a lot, and I know the Mando is uh, right at your heart. Yeah, yeah. no. Uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. It is, like Nico and Daddy Bat said, an honor 
to be talking with you guys. Yeah, so mine was a little different. So obviously Nico is like my oldest friend. So in a way, my Star Wars connection kind of goes through them. But I'm a big sci-fi guy. My grandpa was a big sci-fi guy. And he loved the uh, original trilogy. So I just remember like my earliest memories, just like watching the Skywalker saga with him. And he loves Luke. And maybe there's a little something that we'll talk about in a little bit from now that might come full circle. But um, yeah, I mean, just it's so weird because like like Nico and Daddy Bats, like they have this deep, rich history with Star Wars. When people come up to me they always think of me as like the dc guy the marvel guy they don't really think of me as like a star wars fan which is true because like i really am like more than anything a casual fan i just love like watching space movies and sci-fi movies but the mandalorian like these last just two years have just really really like made me feel like i could i belong in this fandom which is Kind of yeah. so funny because it's it's kind of a hit or miss fandom, right? It's uh, <laughs> you either on the on the right side of it or the wrong side of it. But uh, the Mandalorian, at least for me this year, has really really bridged a lot of gaps, and I've just had the time of my life with this. So I cannot wait to talk about this with you guys. I have a thought or two maybe about it, but yeah. let's get into it, guys. Yeah, that, let's that, get into it. And that that's the thing too. You know, everyone has a Star Wars story, whether you're on the periphery, whether you're in the you know in the meat of it, in the, the trenches every single week on Twitter, wherever it is, everyone's mm. got a Star Wars story. But the one commonality that I have seen over the last couple of years is The Mandalorian. This is a mm. show that bridges, like you said, Nico, or like you said, Zenik, sorry, a lot of gaps. There's, mm. there's people that felt disenfranchised. There's people that have loved everything that's been put to screen. Myself, I'm included in that. And I just embrace Star Wars for what it is. But this show, I think above and beyond anything else, especially the episodic nature and what feels like more of a carte blanche approach that Favreau and Filoni have been given specifically in season two has just reinvigorated fandom. I think it's it's re-inspired a lot of people to go back. And we have a term in the nerd room. We call it the Winter Soldier effect. You go back to the MCU. And this is coined by our Troy. The Winter Soldier makes everything before it better mm-hmm. and it changes your perspective on things because of what they take and what they adapt and how they make that story make more sense specifically with the first avenger you take the mandalorian now and in retrospect in hindsight you go back and look at some of the things it's tying to and it elevates some of that it, it takes that to a next level because you see how it plays out and you see the importance of the groundwork it lays you go back to snips in the clone wars movie you know, you wouldn't have pictured her from that point, 2008, in 2020, being one of the most sought after, one of the most excitable characters in Star Wars. Like, people are going nuts for this character. Mm-hmm. And that really changed the game. And so you take this adaptive ability to take long-form narratives, long-form storytelling, and spin that out into now what's going to be a post-Return of the Jedi cinematic universe. Like, I understand that Star Wars is, yes, this great big galaxy, but what Favreau and Floney are doing is they're taking all these different pieces, running them concurrently, running them parallel, and have them crossing over at specific points. Like season two, if nothing else, was a platform for expansion. Mm-hmm. The first season was very much more of a personal story for the Mandalorian. Let's tell his roots. Let's tell his story. This one was, okay, let's fill out the galaxy around him. Let's fill out the stories around him. Mm-hmm. And before we get into this this wild 
chapter 16, the rescue. Let's set the foundation or reset the foundation for the Mandalorian here. I want I want to hear everyone's kind of highlights pre-chapter 16. And I'll go to you first, Carlos. You're you're sitting over there, man. You're quiet man on the seat. Yeah. <laughs> what what's been the highlight for you? You know, we've got we've seen so much from this season from bringing in characters from the books in Cobb Vanth. We've got Bo-Katan live action, the return of Boba Fett, Dark Troopers pulling in from the games, cloning's back, Grogu, Ahsoka, Bill Burr, hell, Bill Burr, chapter 15. One of the greatest, most emotional Star Wars performances of all time. Absolutely not. So, man, what's what's a highlight for you in this season? On a personal level, the highlight for me was just watching my daughter go from this person who kind of tolerated Star Wars in the background to me having to go do these quasi-drug deals to get the Ahsoka Black Series figure for her in the depths of the Northeast. Of course. Yep. <laughs> And then coming down today after watching the episode with her hair done in like the late or the ray braids or the three little buns in the back of her head. It's been amazing to watch that. And uh, like, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell the last little bit kind of when we get to that point in the show, but uh, her just watching her become this super fan of this franchise and embrace everything around it. And like, she's ride or die with with clark kent but he lost one of the little cubes on her shelves and it's been <laughs> starting to fill up with uh star wars stuff so there's always room for for a lot of things so that's great man yeah i know for for tim it's a bit of revenge of the sith because <laughs> his, his daughter is a dc super fan um uh, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks, thanks to my wife there but uh <laughs> a little bit of the empire strikes back with that but uh for me man it was Ahsoka and like I had limited experience with Ahsoka, but uh, Clone Wars season seven comes out, right? Se- yes. Six, seven. Um, and just knowing Troy was a super fan of, of that character and just how excited he was getting. And he's like, man, you got to watch this. Like, here's your watch list for to get the high points of the character, understand her. And so I, I got to know her a bit through the animated series, but then to see Rosario Dawson show up as the live action version. And she is just so fierce and larger than life and just so cool. And the Jedi's are my favorite. I think most people's favorite part of star Wars and to in 2020 have probably the coolest Jedi ever show up on your TV screen. Blew my mind, blew my mind. And, uh, yeah, to have my daughter have a, a female Jedi heroine, not just some kind of background character, was amazing. Yeah. Well, like Ray notwithstanding, obviously she likes her too. But uh, yeah, that that was the highlight that this show brought to me was was snips in uh, full live action glory. Yeah, and did the thing too with everything they've brought in here. My my biggest fear at the start of this season was that. Mando would be pushed aside. His story would be pushed aside so that we could lay foundation for property X, Y, and Z. And I felt that all of this was organic. That's the thing I love the most about everything that they've included in this across the board and every Star Wars, you can call it fan service, you can call it whatever you want. But this felt like an organic story. Every single stop made sense to me. It made sense for the narrative and it made sense for the Mandalorian. Yes, his story is not nearly as fleshed out as it was in season one. 
But I think we got enough of it in season one that we appreciated what we're going into. We had an emotional connection to that character and to, of course, Grogu. And then they went forward here and said, here's the stops we're going to make. Like, out of context, this could seem a bit like, okay, we're we're piloting everything in this season. And we're going to take away from that. But the writing was there. The competency and understanding of the universe was there. That it all felt right. Zednik, man, like, coming into season two... Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you worried about this aspect? And then getting up to chapter 15 after, mm-hmm. of course, loving it, where was your high point pre-episode 16? Yeah, no, I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was my biggest fear is exactly what you said, is when they announced that this season was, was going to be more fan servicey, I got super worried because I've seen all the movies. I can probably hold a decent-sized conversation <laughs> about Star Wars, but I don't have this deep lore. So, like, when there's names being thrown around, like, Ashoka and Bo-Katan and Cobb Vanth, I'm like, oh, God, do I got to watch, like, all these, like, other seasons of Star Wars animated series stuff, which I will. Like, I will get around to all that eventually. But my fear is, like, man, are they going to go too fan service Is it all going to fit in? Is it all going to make sense? And kind of like you said, it just felt natural. Everybody seemed to have a purpose there. Uh, everybody had a reason for being there. They were there for a reason, I mean. But for me, my high point was Ashoka was great. Bogotan was great. For me, the story is and always will be Din and Grogu. Mm-hmm. Because that story hit me on so many levels. Obviously, there's times where you want to just cuddle the absolute hell out of him. And then there's times where you just you get teary because of like all his reactions and everything like that. And what we'll talk about later is, man, was, was this such like a gut wrench? So for me, it, it's... It's uh, it's Grogu, man. It's Grogu. But yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely the heart and the soul of the series. You you can't you can't deny that by any stretch of the means. Like that character, and I, I think that what they let the puppeteer do in this season two is like it's all reaction. Like the kid doesn't say a word, and they really tone back his use of the force too. Mm-hmm. which which i really liked it wasn't about that it was more about building that that father son connection i'm assuming son connection between the two of them and that at its core makes the impact of 16 like like mm-hmm. you're almost in tears at the end of that right like oh, in the absence man. of that that two season build you don't get that <sighs> moment like those small moments right. even on the razor crest when he's like Whip waving mm-hmm. up the pube. Daddy Bass, I'm sure you yeah. did this for Nico. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you 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 know what you guys it here's the thing. There were so many great things that happened this, but the development of Groku stands above everything to me. Because in the first like couple episodes, you know, you're wondering are they, it's gratuitous, the baby, they're showing him and he's doing things and he's cute and he's adorable. And I found Nick, I says, boy, but the way they with Ahsoka. When he got his name, and then when you hear that he was actually frightened and he was taken from the temple, it's just, it's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. This character, this Mm -hmm. little guy, and just around him to the point where, like, I just want to know everything about him, right? We want to know so much more. And then everything on top of it. But they, they, they gave him such a great backstory. Yes. And her being the one that, that kind of, tells the story to me was definitely i think the high point because then i was in already but now i'm like 
you know, and then when he when Din takes him to the to the rock oh. and he's reading I mean, I, I gotta be honest with you guys, it's some of the best Star Wars stuff I've ever seen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I told Nick I like like for him for because I thought he was really powerful and I didn't know that he could feel fear. And when you realize that, it's like I felt like a father. Like I felt so bad. Like I don't want Grogu to feel fear. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it was, the thing, the thing too about the the fear conversation is it's so appropriate to me. Like knowing the background of Ahsoka and all that, and how she's separate a bit from like that more monk like Jedi. It's so appropriate that she's the one to to reveal who he is where he is and that he does have fear he has this built into him right and you, you kind of step away from that hard line no emotion no fear no nothing and you have someone that can connect with this character like i think having that moment with luke makes less sense having it with ahsoka someone who is known to be a bit more emotional sympathetic yeah. and someone that you can actually have an emotional connection to it made more sense to have that so bringing two Jedi into this at the right time made mm. the story make sense to me. That's why I think Ahsoka was such a, a cornerstone of this season is that she brought an element that was a bit more of a compassionate, a bit more of an understanding, but also has that Jedi training. So it was a nice bridge, but it wasn't that hardline bridge that we've seen in the past where you could argue that that's where Anakin skews away from is that it's like rebelling mm. against this, this sort of monk like, you know, you can't have any feelings. You can't feel feel anything, right? And, and, and like so, Yoda, right? Yoda and Luke too. It's yeah, very, exactly. Yeah, similar, right? Exactly. I know. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. just hooked up with Padme out in the open, right. yeah. <laughs> it would have never happened. But like, no. that, oh, like that poor bugger had blue balls for like two out of three <laughs> episodes. Macaroons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, look what happened. Wiped out the Jedi Order. Yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah. What, what about you, Nico? Man, where's your where's your high point for for season two here? So there's a lot of them, and if you've ever listened to our show, you know I always cheat. I never say one, <laughs> or three. I'll be quick. I'll be quick because I've already kind of prepared this because I figured this might be a question. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad. So Ahsoka, one of the best developed characters in all of Star Wars, um, to see her debut to live action and be received like the praise for her was a high point for me so like the episode was great i loved her i knew she was going to be great i knew she was going to mm. kill it but like on twitter the next day the outstanding love for rosario dawson i thought was beautiful mm-hmm. especially coming from a trilogy the sequel trilogy where a lot of the characters are hit or miss for people and they're a lot of them are crucified unfairly i believe mm. So to see just universal praise for like a new character that was important to so many people, but for the mainstream with somebody new mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, I also learned that Carl Weathers can direct the heck out of an episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. Give him two or three next year. I was very impressed with episode four because I actually think his direction is what is some of the best is the best part of that episode. And I'm like, man, Carl Weathers. I didn't know that Apollo Creed had it in him. I don't. <laughs> Come on now, but uh, he knows this, and Zenik knows this for me, though. It's Boba Fett. Boba Fett yes, is my favorite. thank Boba you. He's, he's, he's my favorite Star Wars character of all time. Even for, when he was a kid, yeah. For my life, um, yeah. he's one of the first toys I played with. I have three Funko Pops. I have two Slave Ones. 
the Lego Slave one. Um, I had to deal with everyone for so many years on Twitter. Was the worst man. He's a chump. He doesn't do anything. He went out like a explicit word, and I'm like, yeah, but in the EU and legends, he's really cool, and he actually he survives the Sarlacc pit, you know. But nobody knows that. Yeah. And uh, to bring him back, in two things with him. To bring him back and to make him cooler than he ever was was awesome. Yeah. And two, the writing with him was great. How he's how how they worked in the stuff with Django, how he's kind of a man of a code. He might not be good or bad, he's more gray, but the fact that he did something for Mando and wanted to honor it. Um I'm about to nerd out so bad. The coolest thing of the whole season, even cooler. In chapter 16 was seeing the rotation of Slave 1 inside. Dude, I'm right there with you. I yeah. paused the episode, I'm like, bro, we're seeing it rotate. Can we appreciate it? No one on Twitter is talking about yeah. the rotation of Slave 1. I want to yeah. start a hashtag. Hashtag the rotation of Slave 1. It's going to be started tonight. Tim and I are going to start it tonight. That's right. oh. <laughs> our own show called The Rotation. The Rotation. <laughs> one in parentheses. Um, yeah, it's it was Bulba for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I like how the armor was really only the helmet and the chest plate and the knee. So I think it over his robe is kind of cool. It's like mm-hmm. really rugged, but also like it's Bulba at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was a little indifferent when they cleaned up the armor, which looks cool now, but episode seven, when he walks out, I was like, whoa, well, hold yeah. on. I like the rust. Hold on now. Hold on. <laughs> hold on now. But it's fine. He's great. And it's cool for Tamara Morrison too, because not only did he hit the jackpot playing Aquaman's dad, but he was the clones. Um, he was so big in the prequels. The clone troopers lived on. So the, all the animated stuff, it's kind of based off him, his face and everything. And now he gets to come back in live action and not only play Boba, but I think we might see him with Cody and Rex. I don't know, man. Yeah. So he might've found himself a great back half of his career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Star, yeah, Wars. Sure. Star Wars legend. Cause he can play nine different roles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play, play yeah. anyone he wants. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy you brought up Boba Fett for two reasons. One reason we'd be remiss if we did not mention the passing of of the original oh say, yeah jeremy yeah. bullock um, jeremy bullock, yeah it's it's crazy because i find that it's so odd that we see this major resurgence in the character the the like the man that originally played him you know not a few weeks after dave prowess passes we've got the passing of jeremy bullock and it's i i, I really hope that he was able to see the character that he brought to life that he embodied. I really hope he was able to see that turnaround and not, not that like Boba Fett was always popular, but just like that, you know, like you said, Nico, like justified why the character, why do I have three black series? Why do I have four Funko pops? Why do I have the elite? You know what I mean? Like, why (laughs) the prototype armor that never showed up in life. You know what I mean? Like I got it all. And yeah. So rest in peace. To, to Jeremy Bullock's family. I know he he always did, you know, amazing outreach when it came to attending conventions and all that. And so I know a lot of people that got his autograph and got to meet with him and chat with him. And so, yeah. yeah. We, I think we had an, it was many years ago at the Rosemont convention. We have an autograph picture from him. He yeah, couldn't yeah. have been a nicer, nicer awesome. gentleman. I mean, yeah. Him and Peter Mayhew. Just yes. really, really good people, you know. Yeah. It, he, we, 
And how did Peter Mayhew pass this year or was that last year? I think it was last year. It was definitely yes. pre-pandemic. Okay. Um, oh. Which feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> mm. yeah. Was that what, like, like 10 years ago? To me, it seems like everything bad happened this year. So Yeah. Mm. So, and then, you know, after just mentioning and honoring Jeremy Bullock there, it's it's the rotation of the Slave One. Like every episode, I, I, I popped on something. And the the episode, not only was it like how making Boba Fett a badass, but it's like, it's like, I finally understand the, the, the mechanics of that ship. Like, it never made sense to me. It's like, is everyone always laying down in the ship? Like, I don't get it. But then when they're just sitting there and it rotates, I'm like, oh my, like, this is amazing. <laughs> That's Dave Filoni. And he's like, hey, John, hold on. Yep. We got to show them that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just- so I'm in the chair and then just show things happening. It's behind amazing. Me. Yeah. And we're going to go nuts. Yeah. And we did. So they yeah. were right. Yeah. It was, it was that. And then it was the, uh, in chapter 15, when they're standing up in the hill and they're talking about who's going in. He's like, yeah, they might recognize my face. Oh yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Mm. Such a great little line. That- <laughs> yeah. But then, I mean, not to jump ahead, but then when lovely Bo-Katan kind of rips on him in episode mm-hmm when she's like oh you're a clone he's like no no no, no. he's the clone chill yeah. out Bo. Yeah, he's right, the yeah, guy yeah, his yeah, dad right. was the guy yeah, kind yeah. of a big deal yeah and burgundy would say eh, as ron burgundy sorry would say kind of a big deal so yeah. uh chill with that <laughs> yeah he, he was it was it was so great and like my my high water mark pre-16 was I, I i debate a bit here it's and I'm going to cheat on this one, I think. I think it's just the full integration of Star Wars into this TV show. Is, yeah. you know, every single episode had fandom buzzing about something different. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it was Grogu being named, whether it was Boba Fett's return. Even in the first episode, when you see Boba Fett staring over the twin sons, it's like, whoa, I would have been cool with that. Just that's their they're, yeah. they're tip of the hat, Boba Fett's alive. We'll pick this up down the road, whether it's a comic book or a movie, whatever. Yeah. Little I know that, that it was going to blow up here. And then, yes, of course, Ahsoka and all this. There's just so much. And then, like, they're pulling from the EU. So those that read the EU can appreciate even the line today, the Dark Troopers, third generation, they're finally droids, right? Like, that, like that's right out of the EU. It's right out of the game. Mm-hmm. So the third generation was full droids. And down to, to Bill Burr. Like, come on. Like, his delivery, Carlos, come on. You, you have to appreciate what bill burr was able to put to screen and how he went from kind of like the comedic relief to like this guy just like just underscoring the emotional Mm -hmm. part of star wars and the effect on people even the guys that were like a part of the empire like what they went through yeah no Mm -hmm. he had such an amazing arc like even you go back to season one he was completely vile and unlikable as a character and to take him to a guy that you're cheering for and completely sympathetic with when he's sitting with Joe Chill at that table there and <laughs> talking about. <laughs> of course, man, like we, we have uh, we have the Batman of a galaxy far, far away. And of course, he has to have a showdown with Joe Chill. So, uh, yeah, like when when Mayfeld is sitting there and telling the story of basically having his friends wiped out because of the callous decisions of one commander. Incredible. And Mm -hmm. he did such a good job that I was completely sympathetic with him when he undermines their entire mission by taking revenge on that, 
on that commander. So yeah, who would have thought like Mayfall would be a highlight of the show? And like I've heard people knock on the Mandalorian because it's kind of like the Star Wars video game because every episode is like a mission that he goes on. But like you hit on earlier, they did such a good job with the character work and with having a strong narrative through line uh, with just what Din and Grogu meant to each other, that it just worked. And it was just like, who cares where they go? Like they could be in a bar in Tatooine and just watching their interactions is enough to get me through this episode. But because we go to all these cool places, yeah, sure. They use that trope in video games all the time, but it works. It works there and it worked in spades here. So yeah, man. yeah. character work on the show was unbelievably impressive. Yeah. And like for those who listen to the nerd room in that too, you know that I'm all about, you have to earn the audience. You have to earn the ability to jump around like that and to introduce characters like this. And every single episode, in my opinion, they earn the audience their, their, at least the ability to jump forward and do things like this. They're not throwing things in front of you that you're kind of groaning at. But, oh, I can't believe they did that. Like there, there's moments in some of the star Wars films that you're like, okay, I understand that this is for a reason. Like Punda Baba in, in rogue one, you're like, okay, sure. Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I pop for it in the theater, but it's like, sure. Like they bumped into each other and these guys like scoot right off to Tatooine. But this all felt, like I said at the beginning, organic. It worked. It made sense. And narratively, it's significant, right? Like, there's there's nothing in here that, you know, they didn't do... Like, you could argue, I think it was episode two of... So, whatever it was, episode nine or ten with the frog lady. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can call mm-hmm. that bottle episode. You can call it whatever you want. But that is the episode that underscores the relationship between Grogu and Din. This is the one where you understand that that he is more than like a caretaker and he's a father. Right. And yeah. that episode is so important for the relationship because the rest of the season is in hyperdrive. You can't escape the pace of the season. And unless you're building that emotional connection, the payoff in 16 isn't as heart wrenching. It's not as earned. Mm-hmm. And so you needed that episode, in my opinion, that slow, that episode where he will do anything for this kid and he, and he makes those decisions. And you've got kind of this motherly figure that is kind of coaching him through certain things. And I, I just, I love mm. that episode for that reason is that it gave us a moment to spend quietly with them and grow with them a little bit. Because like I said, without that, you don't get there. I don't think as fast. You might, you might be able to get it, but the amount mm. of stuff that they shoved into this season you got to be careful as to how much you can actually character build around that because both Grogu and Zin do take a backseat at times to other parts of this. Like, like the, the most, the most talked about part of 16 isn't going to be, you know, Din, it's going to, it's a great part, but it's not him fighting a dark trooper. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, but like, I I see where you're going. Yeah. Let's, (laughs) let's kick this off. Let's get into the 16, man. This, so we, we all go into this highly anticipated. We come off the, the back end of a, an emotional arc with Bill Burr in, in 15. And we understand where this is going. One, we didn't know who's directing it. There's lots of rumors going to be George Lucas. Or, you know, my anticipation was going to be Favreau. But we've got Peyton Reed. So he directed, I believe, episode 10 or I can't remember. The, so, so the frog lady one yes. that she just talked about. Yeah. 
So he directs that. Mm-hmm. Coming from Ant Man, of course, he's an MCU alum. So I'm going to give him a free pass no matter what. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but we, we jump into this episode head first. You know, my anticipation as we as we run into this is that it's going to be a slower build. But we go right into Ed Chase, Imperial Shuttle, and the freaking Slave One, and like the dogfight seeing slave one in action like this is the best action we've seen out of the slave one in the last three episodes here where it becomes this dynamic ship it becomes to me almost a character in part mm-hmm. like slave one is always again it's one of these ships that's earned this this fan love but to be honest with you it's just done a bit of like up and down it's never really done anything like it's it's done some, right. some cool stuff in the prequels but here it just it just lights up and the the thing i like about this part too is we get like this major nod to cloning with Dr. Parrish, which mm-hmm. is a drop line, but it's for another ep- or another season or another series probably. Yeah. Mm. But, but Nico, man, having this like affinity, as you just said, with Fett, with the slave one, like blasting into this episode and you get like a chunk of Fett here and then he disappears, which I, it's, I like that they did that. They've, removed him from focal point and they've allowed things to continue, but they also gave him kind of this badass exit from the series, right? Badass exit. Um, so I told him, so, um, just, just to add a little bit of context. I loved, um, the last episode, episode 15, chapter 15. And I actually think it's funny. A qual my head was actually a good thing. I said, it's such a well-written episode. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm so into Bill Burr, I'm forgetting that there's this really big problem that Grogu's gone. So like, I need to be reminded now, right? And then I turn to him and I go, well, we're getting right going. Yeah. The episode opens and Slave One's, it's fine. I'm like, okay, so we're going, we're going. You you know, the cloning stuff with the doctor's awesome because I think what they're doing is brilliant. What they're doing is they're filling the gap from now till the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. And what yes. they're doing is they're going to mm-hmm. add in and protect as much as they, as much as the EU as they can with some of these different characters, which I think is brilliant. And they're going to tie it in eventually to the sequel trilogy, which is great because in Legends, you know, the Palpatine cloning stuff was real. And then in Rise of Skywalker, they try to make that, you know, okay, we made stone. And now here, clearly in episode four, directed by the lovely Carl Weathers, we see them trying to clone. It looks like Snoke. Maybe it's the Emperor. So that doctor is important for that reason. I love the perspective of the Imperial soldiers talking about the Duke Snow. Yeah. And how they weren't all stormtroopers, you know? And it's like kind of tragic, but you're also like, can you shoot them like now? Because we got to go. I'm tired of people talking. We got to get Grogu. We got to move. And the fact that it's Boba doing it, Slave One doing it, and then he kind of gets them right there, and he just yeah. zips in to hyperspace. Which was cool because I'm like, that's how he should go. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go by. I don't know where mm-hmm. he's going to be. We know where he's going to be now, which is <laughs> we'll get into that later. Uh, but we <laughs> start an episode, and I was worried. Like I was telling my dad, I'm like, they got 47 minutes. There's a lot in this season. There's so much in this season that it's ridiculous how it all works. Because it really did all work. It's crazy. I agree. Okay, 47 minutes to either cliffhang or give us a resolution. We kind of come off of a really character-driven penultimate, which is unorthodox, but I actually think worked really well. I'm like, okay, how are we going to start this off? 
with Slave One, mm-hmm. yeah. Tracy Turtle. So um, it was great. What a way to start an episode mm-hmm. because not only does it serve the plot, like you said, the show does such a good job of serving the plot and at the same time saying, eh, we might see this again. Oh, yeah. stay tuned. Hold on, maybe later. Like, it's perfect. <laughs> it, it's, so, it's so important to the plot, like you said, because it's there's so many loose threads to tie up in that 47 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. I don't think you can do it as efficiently with Boba Fett in the room. Mm-hmm. No. And, and they give him some moments, right? Like, we've got the Slave One, and then we go and get Bo-Katan and all that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But they give him those moments to, to see what's coming. And then they they exit him, and it's like, okay, yeah, we're we're into this. We get this. He does the approach, and and it kind of runs you in one direction. And then I don't think about Boba Fett for the rest of the episode. No, because he he's had his moment at the start here. He had his moment picking up the shuttle, going to the bar, getting the other Mandalorians. He had his interaction there, and then he has his exit. You know, basically setting him up for success. No, no, Daddy Bats, man. I got to bring you into this because Nico brought on something that I thought was, was just brilliant. It's that, that opposite perspective from the Imperial side, especially with the Death Star, right? We get some really interesting pokes at Alderaan, the explanation of Cara Dune's tear. And we have this like millions have died at the hands of terrorists. And like, even to the point too, where one of the guys is like, yeah, I ain't dying for this. Like we don't see that very often. You know, a couple episodes ago, we had a guy basically kill himself because he was refusing to give up any information on the empire. And then this episode, we got a guy just throwing his hands in there and being like, dude, I'm not with these guys. Like you can do whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good because again, it's like, it's like you said, they, they don't, everything serves a purpose here. There's no, there's no filler this whole season. And especially in this episode. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, it, it's, and that's the, I think the important part with, a lot of the contextualization they do early on here, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of we're gonna throw random things, but they have like a few key words in there. You understand Alderaan, you understand cloning, but we're not gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about this in the Rangers of the Republic or whatever it's called, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're, we're gonna pick that up. What about you, Zedek, man? Like let, let's let's kind of bring in a little bit more of what we're seeing at the start of this too. And we're pulling Bo Katan back into this and Sasha Banks's character as well. She gets Uh-oh. nice tornado DDT in there. Talk <laughs> <laughs> about yeah. you know what I mean. I, I know we don't it. always want to say fan service, but like it's such respect to be like, all right, we're gonna do your WWE move with your character in this episode. Dave, write it in there. Make sure. I mean, yeah, and yeah. you can pull it off. They respect the yeah. actors yeah. too. They really do. Yeah. And the part I love too mm-hmm. about her appearance, they say. Uh, she uh, she has a drop line to to Boba Fett that says, "Oh, I didn't think side uh, uh, what is it um, sidekicks get, sidekicks to get to talk because she didn't talk in her first appearance really, right? <laughs> like she just did no. kicking or whatever." And I thought it was like, "Okay, this is a kind of a funny line that they've dropped in there because she didn't talk in the first one." So mm-hmm. yeah, Zenik pulling in Bo-Katan yeah. um, earlier on in the season, mm-hmm. and I think we all had made an assumption that she was going to jump back into the saddle here at some point. They kind of left it on a a big question mark and her wanting the Darksaber. Of course, we knew this was going to come to some sort of climactic end where she was chasing it in some fashion, whether it was going to be opposed to Mandalorian or with was yet to be said. Mm -hmm. But it looks like it's with. We pull her into this and we've got kind of this really cool Mandalorian face-off in in random bar. Like, I thought this was a brilliant way to bring that character back into this Without again feeling it was like, oh, Bo Katan's here to save the day. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, and then if I may, because I actually like that you guys brought it up because not that she's just good to look at, but <laughs> I w- remember I remember when Sasha Banks was cast, the backlash that she got because much like when we get like these professional wrestlers or like when we bring athletes into like big roles like this, to my experience, they're not the best actors, which is fair. So when they bought her on, I thought the way they used her was effective because I don't think she had speaking lines for a reason. I think she was just bought on for the action. And I kind of like that they utilized the fact that she is a wrestler and kind of added that element into the action sequences. So I did kind of dig that from that perspective. But Bo-Katan, I was like, wow. Um, And again, like I have no prior knowledge of her character, but She's just so intriguing the entire time. Like, I'm just watching her, and I'm like, she looks like a good guy, but she also looks like she may have an agenda at the same time. So, and then as you're watching the episode, it's obvious that she wants to help Mando, or as I call him, Batman, don't know. Uh, I love that. And then as it goes on, it's it's like me. Like, sometimes I look too, like, into things, and I'm like, trying to watch her facial expressions and you can tell she's like if only you had given her like one or two more minutes with her man would she have taken that saber and just started whacking mando with it or like it could have went guns blazing like real fast and again it's like they left that so open didn't they and it's like i'm sure we'll talk about it but it's the thought was there well they see that animosity early too which makes the payoff later on even better Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. I very much agree with your assessment of Bo-Katan is that she's a character that has a lot of depth and exploration of character in the Clone Wars and Rebels and all this. And so there's a lot of foundation there. And I think, Carlos, you said it best a couple of weeks ago is that your, your kid and you, you bought into this character right away. Right. There was it didn't require you to go back and watch 125 episodes of Clone Wars to yep. appreciate who she was and what she did. And I don't know if that's just the brilliance of the writing or if it's that they chose characters specifically based on their look and based on their, their weight, like using Katie Sackhoff, the voice actor and bringing her in. I think Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was huge. And you never question anyone I've talked, never questions this character. Like, I don't get who this is. Like, why is she this? Why is she powerful? Why is she involved in this? Right. You just buy into it immediately. And I love that about how they're able to bring that element in here without, again, it feeling like fan service or unorganic. Like it wasn't like a shoehorned character and this all means something. And it, it's like you said, Zedek, it's going to go into season three. Like Mando mm-hmm. shifting gears. He's no, he's not father no more. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's got something else going on in the background <laughs> and it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Now, now, Carlos, as, as we build this conversation, as we build towards this climactic end of chapter 16 here, man, like everyone's on pins and needles to talk about. We've got a few more things to get through here, though, before we really, really get there. And let, let's talk about Mando's crew here. Let's talk about the, the assembly of the Mando pack here, whatever you want to call it. Like the Mando Mighty. Yes. We, we, I think it was Peter Troy that, that really laid this down and said, okay. Like, yeah he he he's coming at this with with a crew behind him he's got everyone from cara dune to the extra mandos boba fett here and all this the the way that they're able to to bring in even a character like fennec too like the way they're able to take 
and really assemble an ensemble for this last episode. Mm-hmm. I think this is the right way to go, like to have all these characters on screen because it it gives you a bit of weight behind the crew he's bringing in there, like a bit more believable that they could storm a, a small craft or I guess a large craft and really go to town. Like some of the action scenes you see with this group, and in particular the the quartet of women we get here, like like full on a force. Like yes. I love that that they right. brought like the heat with the women in this episode. And it didn't feel forced at all. It didn't no. feel contrived or nope. just to serve a purpose. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. all fits. Yes. Is- yeah. It, like, it, it wasn't forced like a force. It was more natural, like a bird's of prey. But, uh, Carlos. Yeah. Salut. Salut. There it is. But, uh, yeah, man. Like, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I just kind of teasingly said that to my daughter. I was just like, what, what's with the crew? And it's all girls kicking ass, knowing that these are all her favorite characters kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, but man, what a brilliant job they did with yeah. with doing the work and then having the payoff. Mm-hmm. right? And uh, Timmy, like you said, they did it brilliantly with seating Bo-Katan just enough so that the general audience knows exactly what she's about. And can get an appreciation for why she's there and why she's helping out. Like she's not helping out out of the goodness of her heart, but what Mando is doing is helping her end goal of um, obtaining the dark saber again. And then they reveal at the end, the reason she wants that because that'll legitimize her claim to the throne of Mandalore. Right. So um, Mm -hmm. brilliant there. I loved what they did with Fennec having her as kind of a sister in arms to Cara Dune but also there because she owes her debt to Boba. So that felt natural, but man, like, and you can ask my wife, I had anxiety with Mando's part of the plan with the dark, mm. because oh stupid dark forces video game from back mm. in the nineties. I can remember still to this day, burning an entire Sunday in my parents' basement, trying to beat the dark troopers at the end of that game. I think it was dash Rendar was your character, but like, Oh man! Yeah, I used to watch him play this. And then actually, I got upset once because he died. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you let me down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting anxiety because I'm like, you gotta close that door. You can't. They, they're unstoppable. Oh. Yes, Oh. Yeah, and then when he was getting beat too, man, I was I was crying, dude. I was like, "No, come on, oh, yeah. start punching him, do something." Is it like <laughs> man coming coming full power? Yeah, it, it's so funny that that you say that about that anxiety filled few moments of him going there. It's like, dude, why are you walking? Like, run, like sprint to that door. Like, yeah. it's like, and I love I love when shows put like a timer on things, like it makes it kind of gets that that energy in you built up a bit and you're thinking like oh damn like gotta get there gotta get there and it's got like this ticking clock on it and it like really progresses things very quickly Mm -hmm. and uh, okay so given what you just brought up there nico daddy bats i gotta get your opinion here on on the dark troopers we we had predicted earlier like these were going to be just pure cannon fodder for mando because they had to put something in front of them but these things are intense and The fight scene that Mando had with one of them was was badass, 
but like these things pose like a serious threat. And right. I, for the first time, I felt like he was put in front of a an adversary that he couldn't push back within mere moments of interacting with him. And I think that vulnerability of Mando is put on display throughout the season, but it's never more exemplified than it is in this moment. So like yeah. coming from like playing them in the nineties to seeing them live action here going up against Din, like it's gotta be a bit surreal for you. It was awesome because they were terrifying. Um, they're all powerful and you're trying to figure out really how are they going to beat them? It's, it's almost an impossibility. And we won't jump too far ahead, but obviously towards the end, mm-hmm. I don't think they're, they were going to beat them, but then obviously something happens, but they were every bit what I wanted them to be. Um, and again, they, these guys just deliver, man. There, there's no doubt about it, but I yeah, mean, you, you, got, you got the battle scars, man. That stupid game. Was it Shadow of the Empire or was it Dark Forces? It was one of the two. It's Dash Render. That's right. Dash Boba Render. Yeah, involved yeah. with the graphic novel as well. That's right. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah man. That but, was a, my my big thing. Just to get off the subject was I always, as a dream, wanted to see that made into a movie or an animated movie. Mm-hmm. With the Shadows of the Empire, um, I always campaigned and wish they would have done something with that because I love that. And again, Boba Fett. <laughs> Yeah, well, was, I remember when that stuff all came out because my buddy was a massive. You, you guys remember that, huh? I mean, you had to be really young. Yeah, like they did, like all this. Like I remember, Shizor was all over the place, and yeah, and it, it was kind of expected that, that was going to be your episodes seven, eight, nine was yeah. going to be whatever Shadows of the Empire was seeding, but. Uh, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I had hoped, you know, but I think we, I think quickly you kind of knew when George did come back that we weren't going to get that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, in retrospect, does the world need a live action character named Dash Rendar? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you know what? At the time, remember, I don't know if you guys know, I think Kevin Costner mm. was rumored. This is wa- Waterworld Kevin Costner. There yeah. we go. Right. Well, on that quilted vest. <laughs> <laughs> You oh man! <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, those were those Jonathan were times. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> man, yeah, John. There you go, Jonathan Kent. <laughs> it's it. I, I tell you, the the thing I liked about the Dark Troopers was that it mm-hmm. it made what we see just done like that much more impactful. Like when they're pounding on the door, there, you're like, there's no way they're getting out of it. Like so, you're, and I think. We're not going to beat them. No. And I think that's that puts stakes to something. And it mm-hmm. also puts a line in the sand as to how powerful, you know, this character we're going to talk about in a few minutes is. Yeah. And that, mm. and that all you have all your heroes, all the firepower you could think of, and you can see an inevitable end there. And Moff Gideon does a brilliant job calling it out. He's just basically like, yeah, you're all going to yeah. die. Like you, you, You're going to put up this great effort right. and you're this valiant, you know, his last stand. But you're all gonna die, and yep. I think that puts an exclamation point on what we see later on, because you walk through with Mando and you know that they're not gonna win, Correct. and it, it puts some stakes and it puts some weight behind what happens, because we had kind of anticipated that Dark Troopers were going to be cannon fodder, but more difficult cannon. They're not gonna be like the stormtroopers that they just mow over <laughs> for the entirety of of Star Wars, right? Right. 
Mm-hmm. And we never feel that same impact that we do when Boba Fett's running around with the Bantha toothpick and smacking heads off of stormtroopers earlier on this season. Bro, and, and he, right? bro, bro, he said, like, I know your kids are watching, but that's some violent we action by Boba Fett. To, right? uh, we were talking to Justin Glossy from the Let's Go podcast. Like, um, when we were talking about, and this is not to get off topic, no, about you, you know, Justice League being rated R, and we're like, bro, that was stabbing, <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, kids watching. <laughs> well, and like the bash in the face, like with the whole thing shattering, like we've never seen mm. anything that, like, it's like these guys get hit and they fly off and they do the Willem scream and they fall down a shaft or whatever. <laughs> 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 Right. So what well, we're on this with with Moth Gideon. Um this is a character that I think is is adequately used, but if I'm gonna fault Mandalorian, it's they never get Gideon. Like he always feels like he's about to do something, but never quite like he has a nice battle with Amando here, and he seems to have a plan, but I never felt like he was like I was looking for maybe a Thrawn level, and maybe that's my own fault because you were post-Return of the Jedi. Right. You've got the Empire out there. We're looking for some figurehead that is maybe a bit more imposing, and maybe that's what the Dark Troopers are supposed to do. And there's there's a lot of a lot up against the Mandalorian in this, but Gideon from the end of Mando season one, he walks out of that Tie Fighter with the dark saber, and you're like, oh man, this right. is a big bad. Like this guy, look out. He never quite gets there. And Zedek, I see you shake. You're, you're agreeing with me here. What, what are uh-huh. your thoughts on the progression of Gideon? Like, I like him. I mm-hmm. love where, and I think that he'll play a role down the road, maybe in Rangers mm-hmm. of the New Republic. But he never quite gets across that threshold for me. He's he's the only one that was teased, but I never felt that whole build came to like a full culmination or a climactic end. Like. The, the Dark Saber mm-hmm. versus Mando was great. And I can't remember if it was you or Troy Carlos that predicted like that spear is he's getting that for a reason to fight the Dark Saber. That was but, Troy. But, yeah, he's like this there's a reason he's getting that spear. It'll come and it it came to fruition here. But what do you think of the fight and what do you think about Gideon as a whole here, dude? hmm Uh so I think I think Gideon is like he's been menacing like all season long. I would say at least in maybe season one. But if I'm being completely honest, I did think he was the weakest part of the episode because I felt like you built this guy up so much and you built up this climatic like finish between these guys. Like, right? Like these guys are going to battle tooth and nail because it's the battle for Grogu. I felt like it might've been a little too easy. And maybe that's because like, he kind of feels more like a Lex Luthor in a way where it's like, you know, there's kind of a plan behind the plan a little bit, but I just felt like, yeah, I'm sure he had a trick up his sleeve a little bit, but I just, I'm sitting there the whole time and I'm like, Mando probably shouldn't have had that easy of a fight with him. If he can't get past the dark troopers, why is he like getting past this guy that has a dark saber that can slash him in half? so easily like the fight was probably like five minutes maybe and i don't know if that was for pacing or whatever but i mean again like that mando i mean i'm sure he can take anybody down in his sleep but this is a guy that you built up to have this battle and i think 
they, I just I, I agree with you. And I'm like, he has promise. Like he does. Mm-hmm. So maybe with better writing in season three, maybe he'll he'll get there. But I don't think we I don't think we saw enough of him. Maybe that's it. But what do you guys think? I just didn't think he was terrifying enough. I, I was never it's exactly like you said, at the end of season one, you were like, Boy, this is this is gonna be something. This is a a uh it's a character that looks like he's powerful and yet you never mm-hmm. see that in season two um mm-hmm. it's not menacing and and it's so for me i agree with you it probably is the only weak thing of the season mm-hmm. who is what how powerful is he we know he has the dark saber but yet mm-hmm. he couldn't beat obviously mando with it so where what other powers does he have is that it well mm-hmm. here's what i'll say is sometimes there's power in symbolism. So we're not quite sure. So he had the dark saber. Mm-hmm. So the image of power was with him, but when he actually had to use it, he got exposed. But what, what does star Wars always do to quote Qui-Gon Jinn? There's a bigger fish. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah. yeah. They yeah. Mm-hmm. think that Moff Gideon was, was the main big figure right? because yeah. he had the dark saber and then you right. make him use it. Mm. It's one thing to see a leader, a person of power, how they look. You make them take action. He lost. Well, we all know that there's probably bigger fish coming. I, you know, Nico, I, <laughs> I, I love that perspective on that. Like, I think, and then, cool. so it's it's so true to Star Wars too, right? Like, yeah, always. There's always someone big. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like, I, I still stand by the comment that he is probably the weaker part of the season, but. Mm-hmm. There is there is a line in there when he is defeated and he picks up the dark saber. Mando picks up the dark saber, and he says, "You know, basically, you're gonna let me live. This this should be interesting because he knows where this is going." So there's part of me that's like, "Okay, he knows he can't beat Mando, but he's gonna throw mm-hmm. him to Bo-Katan and maybe try to get Bo-Katan to defeat Mando, right?" Like, and yeah. so there there is there is a bit there. Oh. Did we lose Timbo? Uh-oh. Uh-uh. Input, I want some more understanding. I want like some of that evilness to it. But, yeah. you know, th- there might be something more there. And so, yes, I think right now, yes, I was just frozen there. Hopefully, I- I'm coming through clear and crystal now. <laughs> yeah, you're good, man. yeah, you're good now. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it, Chris. Mm-hmm. But I-, I want a little bit more of that underhanded, that the methodical thinking. And I think we're starting to get a bit of that. And I agree with you guys that this isn't the last we've seen of Gideon. There's a reason he's left alive and we've got, don't ever leave the villain alive. <laughs> Whoa. Must be a zaddy there. If you want everybody dying. <laughs> I want my heroes and villains dark. Just come on. <laughs> I think we just saw the power of Moff Gideon there because Tim Tim was kind of saying why he didn't work and all of a sudden the the screen froze and everything. So yeah, man. It, uh, <laughs> he, exactly. I will say like Giancarlo Esposito, he's mastered that role, and I can't yeah. even explain it. But if if I'm creating a show or a film tomorrow and I need this stoic clean cut villain he's the only guy i'm calling he's the only guy on the call sheet and if he's not available i'm not making the show until he is 
<laughs> and I found him unsettling the whole time, but I knew so much of that was baggage from being a fan of Breaking Bad. And I'm like, so does he own the chicken place? I'm yeah. like, more off or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea the amount of spice that he's moving through his chicken. <laughs> Oh, wow. oh, that's oh, the spice. All right, guys. Well, well, should we call it there? Get into into the next part. I I I think it's uh, I think it's time we we talk about the real reason everyone is sitting in this room and the real reason everyone that is online, active in the comments, is here for. Let's talk about this. Let's uh, we've we've built up to a point. We've got the crew mm-hmm. with Grogu in the bridge. We have got the dark troopers. And we've got a singular X-wing that answers the the freight here. Here we go. So <laughs> let, let's. This is this is a holy shit mo- moment for me. Excuse my language. I'm sorry if my daughter's still watching. But <laughs> but she let, <laughs> heard you say that very word this morning, man. It's, it's no here it's Sunday. Like this, this was. <laughs> I, I walked upstairs after after watching this episode. My wife goes like, "Wow." Like something special must have happened because I've never heard you react that way. And then she turns and says, "Like you didn't even react that way when you saw the red guy in Infinity." <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And, uh, like, yeah, it's really wow. good, man. <laughs> so, so we see the singular X-wing come in, and. I'm gonna throw it to you first, Zed Nick. What? What's? Oh boy! Did you have the holy shit moment, or were you, were you waiting? Were you anticipating? Like I, my first thing, Cara is, oh great, one X-wing, and the score mm-hmm. changes, the tone changes, like everything drops here, and it's like, like mm-hmm. they, they built into the score the moment everyone's holding their breath, and we see this one X-wing, no response comes in. Like, what's your what's your reaction, your raw reaction to that moment? Wow, um, man! So you hit like the nail on the head, right? Like, just everything building up to that. Like, you see the X wing flying, and I think most Star Wars fans probably had a general idea on who it probably was the second you saw the X wing, right? But you said something that the whole buildup of it, like the score changes. The, like those dark troopers are just punching the door in and then it gets silent and then who was it was it Koska? she goes to it and she's like it's a jedi mm-hmm. and then everything is just like bum 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 like the score is building and you see this guy and you see a lightsaber and then it's green and you're like well let's see how many people use a green lightsaber and then this Jedi, who we don't know who it is for quite some time, might I add, which I gave big props to the writers and like Peyton Reed. I was like, I actually kind of dug the decision to not like just say who it was because I'm not going to be that guy just yet. Uh, I love that they built it up. Like, it's like, oh, maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's not this guy. And this guy's just wrecking shot, man. Right. Like, he's like left and right using the force. It was awesome. I'm over here. I watched it at work. You know, it's COVID, so I can't high-five people. So we're in the office giving elbow bumps to everybody. We're like, hell yeah, man, this is Star Wars, right? This is what we're here for. This is what we live for. 
And then the moment happens. And they're like, and Mando's like, let him in. It's and they're like, what are you crazy? Let him in. And then it it's happens. such a moment. And to capture that, mm-hmm. like that lightning in a bottle, like we're we're here, we're what? Everything clicked. 40 years out from the last time we saw this character in this form. And yeah. and Daddy Batsman, you, you watch this in the theaters. You've seen this character. Like, how how are you reacting? Like, all of us, I think, have have an appreciation for Luke Skywalker. We all have an appreciation for Return of the Jedi, but to to have mm-hmm. it presented in this way, it, it's got to be something that like sits at like top tier yeah. moments in Star Wars. Here's the thing, you know. Three weeks ago, we're talking about like I think this could happen. He's talking. About, we're saying. It's going to be Luke Skywalker, right? But then, like, they do such a good job with the, the 15th episode and this episode where it's almost out of my mind where we were at that point of the episode where I'm not even thinking about Luke Skywalker anymore, right? I'm almost thinking, like, maybe that doesn't happen. No Jedi comes. Has I'm thinking, is Grogu going to save him? Like, what's going to happen here, right? It's It's bad for these guys. The dark troopers are there. Like, how are they going to beat this? You know? And then him and I are sitting there and we see the X-Wing and it's like, Oh, are they really doing it? And we must've said that to each other about 10 times. Has you see him get out and his display of power is so majestic, right? He goes through those dark troopers <laughs> like they're battle droids. Right. I mean, he really, I mean, wow, what a display of sheer power from one of the greatest fictional heroes of all time. And when you realize who it is, I'm not going to lie to you guys, man. I, I got a little bit teary-eyed there. Not a little. Yeah. A was, little bit teary-eyed. Now, my only thing was, is, it, is, it, is it Sebastian Stan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There it is. And is it Mark? Is it really him? And they're and they de-aged him, or is it CGI? So, but you know, it's it's look at, it, it's not just a big moment for the Mandalorian. It's a historical moment for Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The great moments of any Star Wars project ever. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my mind races too much because in the moment there as much as i appreciate it, i'm like where's it going mm-hmm. you're gonna what's gonna happen from this oh my god what about the temple years later did <laughs> kylo run kill <laughs> instead of enjoying it right because it's been so long mm-hmm. i kind of was fast forwarding in my mind like what all this means but I, it was, and to watch it with my son, it was, it was a special time, guys. It was really beautiful, amazing. And and you know, we'll we'll talk about Din and and Grogu and oh it's just God. some of the I can't do this <laughs> I've ever seen in however long I've been since 1977. I don't I don't know. I mean, right? Well, I mean, wonderfully said from a legend here. Um, it was it was about two fifty in the morning. Yeah, too. it's late. So it's late. <laughs> we're, like, yeah. we're like hyped, and yeah. you just came off of an emotional roller coaster. We watched the Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. right before <laughs> 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 Anakin childbirth. He becomes Vader as she has yeah. the kids. 
So we're watching. Well, we this. saw we saw Luke being delivered. We saw Luke being delivered. Wow, was that poetic? Right, that was the last. Wow. Jeez, we, we didn't watched even think about that. The Mandalorian. <laughs> he gets wow. to Uncle Ben and uh, what is it, Aunt Peru? Yeah, Uncle Owen and Uncle Owen. Aunt Peru, I'm which sorry. is Uncle young, Ben is Spider Man. A young Joel. Crossover you never thought you needed. So perfectly like so we're watching and we're like. Just the way it's set up, like you, you know, someone's coming, and we're mm-hmm. we're Italian. So what do we do? We talk over everything. Yeah. So while they're while right the dark troopers are hitting, we're going like, okay, Ahsoka, Boba, Ezra, maybe Ezra, maybe. Yeah, and right. so then the X wing comes in, and I right away I'm like, is that Luke? And you were like, no, there's no way. Yeah. And I'm like, you're right. There's no way. Because we cu- called it. We're like, it, it's not going to be that. Then it cuts to the camera footage, and I'm like, well, he's wearing all black. And you're like, yeah, he's wearing all black. And I'm like, no, but maybe it's Ezra. You know, he swings green, too. And then they show the glove shot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. are you kidding me? And he starts crying. I'm in too much shock to cry because I'm like, they did, like, are they doing this? How much are they going to do yeah. it? Is it? He's gonna walk in, and he's a stunt double where we don't see his face. Mm. He cuts the black, and then you see Grogu touching the screen. Wow! Right? Oh. And I'm like, yeah, because, wow. and then I yeah. turn to you, and I'm like, it has to be. Yeah. Because who else would this be? And you're like, yeah. And then we were like the annoying people in the theater. Yep. He walks into the smoke, and he comes in the room because we're like. Is it Stan or Hamill? Stan or Hamill? Yeah. Stan or Hamill? He's going Hamill. I'm going Stan. He's going, no way to confront double. And then he takes off the thing, and we were just like, wow. CGI. And I actually think his voice is audio from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. Right. And he said it perfectly. Like, this was an all time moment for us in the moment because, like, We've seen every comic book film in the theater. We've reacted yeah. in the theater, but you kind of have to be appropriate in the theater. Yeah. We've never watched anything on TV before where we're like, he's almost on the floor. I'm like standing up, hands on knees, just like he's crying. I'm like, wow, right, I, yeah. where am I? And then like the exchange is happening and we're like, how is this happening? Like, this is not an, it's not just an all time moment for Star Wars. I think it's an all time moment for pop culture fandom. Mm-hmm. Maybe that sounds like a superlative, but when have we ever seen a beloved character of cinema, of cinema right. be brought into or, TV right. after kind of being, um, his fate is controversial mm-hmm. and the portrayal in the sequel trilogy is controversial. So you bring him back and you make him like he wanted and I wanted. And it's just like the Mandalorian yeah. has Luke Skywalker, the goat of Star Wars. And CGI Mark Hamill. I'm like, C- what is happening? CGI Mark. And it then was, you get yeah, Ben yeah. taking his helmet off. And we're like, wow. okay, I didn't need this. Oh, we were in the moment. <laughs> and but that's yeah. the beauty of it. I love and I'm mad at Favreau and Filoni because what they wanted to happen absolutely happened. Mm-hmm. We are talking on a show tonight because of what they did. And they said, you know, there's going to be a podcast on that Friday called <laughs> The Nerd Room. Yeah, yeah baby. Three guys who all got the same name, Nick. They're going to be on it and they're going to be talking about this episode. Yeah. So let's put Luke in there so that 
the old man cries. Sure. Carlos cries. <laughs> I cry. Zeddy, who's reviewing it for the Let's Go podcast, shout out to Zeddy, is crying. And it's like, Oh, I cried. <laughs> they wanted to do Landed, and I haven't seen that. Yeah. Maybe Christopher Nolan in The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know. In yeah, terms yeah, of yeah, landing yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, well said. Like well in said. your execution yeah. point there, like I put that on Avengers Assemble and Endgame. Oh, like, well, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. 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 Like that took 23 Absolutely. films. This Like this took 16 episodes, right? And it, it, it's still crazy, and I love it's almost like poetic how you guys put it there. It's, it's, it's a beautiful experience to have. And, you know, one that I think is common all, across all of star Wars, like everyone oh, yeah. having this moment, everyone's having discussion, every star Wars, every pop culture, every podcast out there is going to be mentioning this moment all over the world. Yeah. And yeah. It, it becomes a significant binding moment at the holiday season when we're usually getting star Wars films are what we've become accustomed to in the Disney era. And it just feels right. Like this is, and I love that you said it, this is beyond Star Wars now. This is a significant pop culture moment. Mm-hmm. And and for that to be eclipsed, it's going to be difficult, especially in this god-awful year that we're having. Yeah, exactly, sure. And, and like, Carlos, like when you're watching this unfold in front of you, we have this incredible, like Peyton Reed, and Favreau as, as, and the writing team did incredible build to this, right? Through the screens to avoid the face, the, the green lightsaber, like, holy, the green is there. And then you get this mirrored moment that we saw in Rogue One. We saw Vader walk down a hallway and, and to have, like, the most incredible Vader sequence built into a movie where he has what you would call a glorified cameo in. Where Luke Skywalker, for the first time, I would say really ever, has a a true Jedi Master as far as lightsaber battle and and the dynamic sort of scope of the scene, where he walks through these Death Troopers in in just such a a way that is unparalleled, other than this Vader scene. And then you have him emerge from the smoke with the light and then the flip up of the hood. Like the whole time I'm thinking, okay, the the camera work, the security camera stuff is great way to bend your way around and show yeah. Luke doing his thing. I didn't think they were going to do it. I didn't think they were going to show his face. We didn't, we didn't either, no. And yeah. you know what? Would I have been disappointed? Maybe a little. But the fact that they not only did it, but they did it to this extent. And I'm still debating my head. Is this a DH Hamill? I know Hamill has credit in it, but I'm not certain as to what he did. But do you remember Rise of Skywalker when they did the training sequence and they used a body double and they put Leia's face on from the original trilogy? I'm wondering if they Mm -hmm. did that and then cleaned it up a little. It's, I wouldn't say it's flawless, but it's... It was a little... little bit. Like his mouth a little bit. That mouth is where I find it's... And I don't know if it's because they're trying to take a previous scene and work his mouth into it, but yeah. it's it's done to the point where it's it's this close to flawless. Like I know we're podcasting and I'm using my fingers. It's very lit. Like there's almost nothing you can do to complain about this. And the fact that that like I said at the top that Lucasfilm gave Filoni and Favreau carte blanche to do this. I thought Luke was an untouchable character. Unless you're putting it mm-hmm. into 
a cinematic film into something you're going to see in theaters into something that has the potential to be a billion dollar film. And yet here we are on Disney plus and you know, in the nerd room, we've given Disney plus a bit of the gears in the past saying there's not enough original content. They're not pushing things far enough. They have the ability to deliver dynamic shows and they haven't quite got there yet up until season two, of course, mm-hmm. but to, to pull from the cartoons and to pull Cobb Vanth out of the books to pull Bo-Katan out of Clone Wars and Ahsoka out of Clone Wars and Rebels, that's one thing. But to pull arguably the biggest character out of <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> and have him in this, it's next level. Mm. Carlos, come on, Carlos. Give me your give me your thoughts here. We've progressed to the point where we have this unreal. Yes, Dave. And R2, R2, yes, of yeah. Of course, R2. Mm-hmm. Like, and R2. blew my brain apart. Oh, we got to talk about, like, and grow. Yeah, like, yeah. like he, the, they knew, I think yeah. they knew each other. But, Carlos, man, Luke Skywalker in this, you know, we talked so much over the last six, eight weeks about they have to, at a minimum, mention Luke Skywalker. They can't have Grogu sitting on a rock <laughs> screaming yeah. to the floor. <laughs> And not have Luke Skywalker answer in some capacity. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, Luke Skywalker sent me. I'm Cal Kestis, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Which would have been awesome for me having just finished that game. But uh, my thoughts, first off, is this. Number one, I'm super stoked that I invited you guys to be on the show tonight because the the reveal of how that scene unfolded in – in the Crusoe household, just warm my heart. Like that, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate oh, that. Thanks, yeah, brother. Yeah. That was incredible. And then that Tim threw it to me and then proceeded to talk for like seven minutes because he was so excited. <laughs> I couldn't and, and the loop blew his mind so much. That's paralleled yeah. to me kind of trying to do work stuff and my phone blowing up because he's just bursting at the seams to talk to somebody. I, I literally phoned Carlos after I watched it. And left him a message of just me yelling, bro, call me back. (laughs) (laughs) So, so for everything else, notwithstanding that makes episode 16 amazing was just this little bit right here. But uh, like, yeah, anybody that listens to the show knows that I'm like pragmatic to a fault. So it's like, I had it in my head going into this episode. Yeah. Luke Skywalker, there's too much baggage there with where he comes from, where he's going to, and then just executing him on screen. No, it's going to be, uh, what's the what's the common sense, put the pieces in place answer? Calacastus. You got Sean Mon- or Sean Monahan. No, he's sitting in the Calgary Flames locker room, but Cameron um, <laughs> Monahan, he's available. His story fits. He'll be a cheap get for the... For the Mandalorian, they can work with him going forward. That's what it's going to be. And then you see the X-Wing fly in. And like subconsciously, my mind is screaming, holy smokes, that's Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, no, no, no. They're, they're not doing that. They're, there's no way that it's Luke Skywalker. No. And then he lights the green lightsaber. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, no, when I built my lightsaber game, I went with blue. So maybe it's just a me thing. Who knows how the game's play out mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's, there's no way that it's luke skywalker but then there's that one shot where he gets to that doorway and you see his flesh hand and then the other hand has the black glove on it 
and I tur- I just kind of nudge my daughter. And I'm like, it's Luke. It's Luke. Mm. And man, do I ever wish I could be sitting here watching your uncle Stu and his reaction to Luke Skywalker being there. Because like my best friend and my wife's best friend, like Star Wars super fans, but just like Luke Skywalker was the be all end all for them. Right. So, um yeah, it just, it blew my mind. And like, I knew it was Luke Skywalker and it wasn't until he peels off the hood. Did I reconcile that with myself? Because we've never seen that Luke Skywalker. Like we've never seen him engage in that way. And the only place that you've ever seen like badass, like able to just crush things with the force and overwhelm any amount of adversaries with his lightsaber prowess was in video games. Yeah. Like, that was Masters of Terrace Cassie. That one's for you, Candido. Unleashed Luke Skywalker. Like, that was amazing to me. And I love that for the first time ever. Like, we have never, ever, ever, outside of comic books, video games, and, and literature, had this Jedi Master, like, the biggest BA in the entire galaxy, Luke Skywalker. And that we get it on The Mandalorian? Amazing. I'm there for it, man. I am there for it. It, it's, it's like I still can't get away from this. What you guys brought up, Nico, like the idea of this being like, and and how much it's resonating with pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's it's huge. Like this is a moment that I, I put up there, and it, it's so unfortunate because this is a moment that played cinematically with a crowd. Like we were in the the end game theaters when like I I was up yelling when Captain oh, yeah. Milner and when he says Avengers assemble and when Spider Man shows up and all this right this is one of those moments but I had experienced it by myself in my basement but it mm-hmm. it's it's one of those significant moments that like the lifting of the hood like it's it's beyond what I thought this show was going to deliver when we kicked Absolutely. off season two like if Absolutely. you had told me. Six weeks ago, Luke Skywalker is going to show up in episode six of this season. I'm going to be like, no, or eight, eight, whatever it is. I was no way, no way. There's no way this is happening. I'll buy, I'll buy Timur Morrison coming back as Boba and Ahsoka yeah. and Rosario Dawson, all that. Like, yeah, sure, that makes sense to me. But you're telling me that Luke and then R2 are going to show up? No way. R2, yeah, you're speaking a lovely <laughs> here, so I want to care. So. Yeah. So our guy Carlos here has been amazing to us the last three, four weeks. We've really gotten to know him. He's the man. He's the reason we're on here tonight. He's the man. But Tim, saying something. Love you guys. We're on the same wavelength. I texted my father today. Yeah. Texted a friend of mine, Zach, today, who's watching. I said, so I had to work at 730, so I got about four hours of sleep. <laughs> if so I'm at work, and I got a break at about 9 a.m., and I go, I'm sitting at work. I'm just kind of chilling. And I go, R2 only shakes when he's excited for people he knows. Oh, shoot. He knows them. 100%. Hey, Dad. Hey, Zach. And I'm like, bruh, hold up. Yo, Grogu and R2 were homies back in the day, weren't they? They were homies. They might have been homies. I don't know. Like, But right, he only shakes when, for what we've seen. All we know as an audience is what we've seen, right? Every time I've seen R2 shake, it's because it's someone he knows, right? He's pumped, right? He's excited. Mm-hmm. Unless Luke was talking a big game like, yo, 
I was in the force. I saw it. He looks like Yoda. Do you remember Yoda, R2? He looks yeah, like Yoda, yeah, but he's yeah. younger. He's like, which is awkward because he looks like a baby. But, you know, he looks like Yoda. So just like really be cool when you see him, right? Just be cool. All right. Just be chill. Don't do the same thing. Oh, no. He's doing the shake thing. No. I think they were homies. Yeah. And no, I, it's, I'm there with you, man. Like, homies. There, there's, there's everything that Fabro and Filoni have done and everything in this season is on purpose, right? There's a reason R2's there. Like, yes, we, everyone gets the pop from him showing up and he's with Luke, of course, and all that. But like, there's like this prolonged moments with Grogu and R2. And that seems intentional to me. And I agree with you. The first thought that came to my mind is that R2 recognizes this kid. Yeah. He recognizes Yoda and you know, Yoda didn't love R2, but (laughs) at least at least the return of the Jedi Yoda, maybe back in the day. But there there's something there. Like there's there's definitely an intention to that moment. Like you could have just had R2 roll up and Luke put his hand on him, and that's it. Like that gives you that little nod, but there's something else there. And like the question that that I want to throw at you guys is is what's next? Like I will say, and I'll take credit for it, and Carlos, you can back me up on this. I said that, that Grogu exits this season in the hands. I thought it was going to be Ahsoka, but I said there's they can't do this continual thing with the Mandal, right? You you end up going in circles with that arc, and they built it to a point where he pops the helmet off, and they have this emotional moment. Pedro's mm-hmm. delivering the tears. And- Shout out to Pedro. Shout out to Pedro for the welling of the eyes. It was effective. I said, you know, Pedro, boy. Well, if, if you're going to be joining the Nerd Room podcast, so there, there's a couple things. So we established season one. We called out the Batmando. And on this show, we refer to Pedro as the Maxwell Lordian. There you go. There you go. I love, I love show, that, man. That's awesome. We just like joined yeah. the show yeah. forever. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great, man, Carlos. That's <laughs> and to that point, like we kind of finished the show and we make it through the credits and we watch that that end credits scene, and then I I kind of got to go back to work, right? So I go back to my little workstation I've set up in the kitchen and I'm I'm pounding out and I've like kind of coming into like the proofreading point of a report I'm writing, and I like look over and like my kids kind of still in the same position. And I go back over, and she is like just sobbing, like just, just sobbing. I'm like, what happened? I was like, because I kind of like threw it out there. I was like, I wonder if he turns to the dark side, and maybe like that's when he takes off his mask. But that wasn't the case, right? So I, I was like, he he lived. Like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm just gonna miss him so much. Like, <laughs> and I was like, well, they're not gonna let that merchandise train dry. No, no, they need the merch. Yeah, merch alone tells me like you're gonna get a Luke show, or he's gonna show up in some other show, or like Mando promised that they would be reunited. So, so don't worry about it. But man, it was it was like 90 minutes that it took this kid to get herself together with that Grogu love. Like, well, it, it's <laughs> like this. I agree with you, man. The merch train ain't gonna stop. Like everyone's seen like no one's been to the stores, but everyone's seen like online, like everything is Grogu and everything. The, everything. The, like you got like ZX got shirt on. We, the, there's dolls, there's <laughs> everything, right? I've got, Listen, I've got I'm a black here. series. that's this big. <laughs> where's, where's the little, wait, 
we have the black this was series one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that, was a hundred dollars. What you can't see, it's uh, it's from an art website known as Mondo or Mando. It Mondo. might be. Here. It might be Mondo. Ser- here's the black series. Yeah. Here's the black. I mean, series. Right. I it's going to be this small, but it's accurate. I I got this immediately when it came out. So we have them all. He's you know. uh, amazing. Most enticing thing in pop culture since. Uh, Maybe ever. I don't know. And and you know, credit, again, credit <laughs> to them because it you know, he he became again, not to digress, but he's just such a powerful figure and such an interesting figure, right? Yeah. Oh, and his acting has come a long way. Wouldn't you agree that Grogu is has become really it's like when his ears perked up right when the X Wing flies into the bay, like his ears perk up and you're like Oh, it's it's going down like it it's like zenic man where do, where do you think they're gonna take rogu here like like i said i thought he was going on with oh ahsoka in the ahsoka show i thought that made sense it was a nice way to bridge across the jedi thing and the force thing and let mana go do his own thing but where do they go now what oh, the biggest merchandising tool they have mm-hmm. in their back pocket into the hands of luke skywalker which I, I'll still hold the opinion that he's great for cameos. I just don't see them using him in a full-time capacity on Disney Plus or even cinematically. I feel that that character is much more suited to being like, I'll pop in for 10 seconds. I'll, you know what I mean? Like, or we'll use him on like a, like a hollow video or something. But, but what do they do with Grogu? Like, what do they do? Or do we just mm. assume he was in the temple? He's massacred by someone like, like God, where did they go with this character? Oh, oh Tim, my man. I'm not yeah. hate this little green thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we, we oh, watch man. Anakin slice through children. That's very Ooh. true. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's like Grogu, like he's he's my dude, and I love him, and my daughter loves him. But you know, there's some that, that Skywalker blood, man. There's, there's no relenting there. That kid, that guy wiped out sand people. He wiped out kids. I, I don't think his grandson or whatever is gonna have an issue slicing through poor little Grogu there. Like, yeah, Grogu's a survivor though, man. He's he, a survivor. He's the Jason Todd of, uh, of Star Wars. <laughs> they take him to the Lazarus pit. Could you imagine he shows up with a helmet and like a? A white thing across his chest with two blasters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, or that he we see him. He's just talking, like like Yoda. <laughs> like, Why did you let him take me? Why did you let him take? Why me? did you yeah, let him right? take? Exactly. Me. There you go. <laughs> but Zedek, where's Grogu going after all this? Oh man! So I'm gonna need you guys to do me a favor, what okay? I'm gonna need you guys to not officially pay for my therapy session right now <laughs> because. I promise I'm going to get to your question, but I've been holding this in all day because my, my coworkers don't understand this. They were just thinking, like, this is cool. It's a boring day at work. Let's just watch because I couldn't take it mm-hmm. anymore. That moment, man, when he takes his helmet off, yeah. it'll be good, and, and we get that goodbye scene. I knew the second that Din took his helmet off in that past episode, there's nothing he will not do for this yeah. child. And even when it, we felt like he was willing to let him go, He's still willing to take bullets and lightsabers for him, but man, when he, when he's when he's about to say goodbye to him, to me, it's like, it's like when a parent is sending their child off to college, sure. and it's it's something that like you know they don't want to do, but deep down you know they have to because 
if they do, they can reach their full potential. And I've made it known that I've really missed my grandpa a lot this whole pandemic. And bless his soul, he passed away five years ago. And that's where I felt my connection came to him. And when he picked him up and he lets Grogu touch his face, I feel like my grandpa was letting me know it's okay to be a Star Wars fan. That's awesome. You can let you you can you can let me go. I'm always gonna be with yeah, you, but you but you but you can let me go. And just their connection, man. I was like, I have a feeling because now I'm gonna answer your questions. Now my third session is over. Um, <laughs> you got all the yeah. rest of us crying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I get the sense that Grogu's gonna be returned to Mando at some point. To what extent that happens and how that happens, I don't know yet. But I think he will be returned to his surrogate father at some point. That's what That's I awesome. think. And I think that, that Stars has found a way to get around those inevitabilities of like, all the Jedi end, or all the Jedi died, and it's only Luke Skywalker. Except for Cal and Ahsoka yeah. and Grogu. You know what I mean? Like Ezra. <laughs> and so I, there's mm-hmm. ways to write around that. There's I like the I always like the idea, and I think the, the scapegoat for for Star Wars is from a certain point of view, right? From a certain point of view, yeah, Luke is the only Jedi, but yeah. there's all these other guys that are kicking around that aren't Jedi, but are basically Jedi, and so right. I, I like that man, and I, I really appreciate that, and then you sharing that 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 that, that connection is huge, and mm-hmm. I think that that really gives you know some real weight to what Star Wars is, right? It's it's what you make of it, and and personal connections and, and friendships are even born out of that. Like, you know, guys, it, hey, we didn't know each other all that well two months ago. And mm-hmm. here we are gushing about the Mando, you know? And so, like, <laughs> silver lining around one. What's going on? <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> pandemic, virtual, all this stuff. Right? We've been able to mm-hmm. embrace all this and bring something fantastic together here and have a conversation of this depth and this level it's it's fantastic and it, it's it's been a blast and we're, we're not gonna end it there though guys like yeah. this, this is a beautiful send-off because hell there is mm-hmm. a post-credit scene here guys that's on <laughs> i learned that the oh. hard way <laughs> Nico, take it away baby <laughs> yeah. oh, you, so there's there's only one man that can that can run with this because of the book yeah. Yeah. and yeah. we turned it off bro. so hold on <laughs> Hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Okay, so after I'm done, I want to get your thoughts on this too, yeah. Timmy, my guy. So we were in such um, a state of emotion. I don't even know if we should call it emotion because it was mm-hmm. more than emotion. So that we like, we like hit, we hit the home button on our Roku, which finally has HBO Max. By the way, shout out to you. Right inside now. So we, we went to the home screen and we start talking, right? About, yeah, about kind of like, the question that you just asked. Like, okay, where's it going where's from it here? Going? Where's it going from here? And then a good friend of mine, Leo, who's also watching right now, he goes, and I won't swear on air, he goes, the effing bleep book of Boba Fett. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah. the book of Boba Fett, bro. And I go, what the book? Is there something coming out? I, I know like high the high republic's coming out there's right. comics he's not when he goes did you not watch after the credits i go 
hold on one second. Yeah. Hey, Dad, come back because he's yeah. crying out in the freaking <laughs> corner. So um, okay, so we come back and we watch the credits. And, yeah. Okay. Okay, Luke can't be topped, but like Jabba's palace though, and the stairs, bro. <laughs> Boba Fett sitting in the seat, bro. Bib Fortuna, <laughs> bro. bro. I don't even want to talk about because he got he got blown away. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about him. He's a scrub. He's a scrub compared to my guy Boba. Bye bye. <laughs> one thing too. Yeah. Um, so the book of Boba Fett. I was already like emotional from Luke, and now I'm like hyped again. I'm like I wanted to cry. Now I want to run through a wall. Which one do I do? I have a helmet. Do I put that on and run, and then do I cry after I hit the wall? I'm not sure. That's really cool because I also know, so I follow a lot of people and um, from the vigilante, we have a really good friend of the show. His name's Emery Kaya. He knows some stuff. So he kind of teases us every now and then he goes, I promise you they're filming a Boba show right now. Yeah. And then Disney investor day happened. And I go, there's no Boba show. And he goes, I don't know why I promise you they're filming it. They're filming a Boba Fett show as we're talking right now. So now I see why. But then I saw December 2021, and I want to talk about this and then kind of answer your previous question. Is Boba Fett getting his own show is the coolest thing in the world. Um, I don't care what anyone says. Um, it's cooler than Marvel. It's cooler than DC. It's cooler than God. I'm not sure. <laughs> like it's, it's just cool. Don't even know what it's going to be. I can't tell if it's I, – I think it's before he meets Mando. Maybe it's after because Fennec is – with Din when it ends, and then Fennec was with Bobo when he got in episode six when they got the it Typhon. Might, it might be after episode. It might be if if Bobo's getting revenge. Right. I want to hear about his time in the Sarlacc. I want to hear trauma. I want to hear how he got out of there. But I also think is this gonna? Did they lie in Vesperay? Is this gonna take the spot for Mando for a bit? Is Mando gonna be put? Because I told him last night, and yeah. we disagreed on something, which is rare. I think that Mando's going to be on a bit of a delay. And by delay, I don't mean a problem. I think, not that they don't have a plan. I think what they did with Luke was a, let's see how they respond. Mm -hmm. Here's the technology. Because with the Andor show on Investor Day, all these volume stages they have, the one in LA, the one in Australia, the technology they're using is really nothing like we've seen before. Mm. Like they can pull freaking Cumberbatch off Dr. Strange and go, we need you to put on this blue stuff as Thrawn. <laughs> 20 minutes. All right. In one scene. So I wonder if they're testing the waters and they're going to the execs and going, we did this. The people freaked out. Mm. Either a little more money, we can make them look better. If not, we might have this guy, Sebastian Stan, who looks like him. If you don't like that, maybe we don't use him. Maybe we do what Timmy said, where we kind of have him pop in and out. I think they're kind of gauging a little bit. I think they have a plan, and this universe, this Filoni-verse, the Star Wars-verse is so big now, which is so cool in and of itself. There's going to be 10-plus Star Wars content in two years. <laughs> they're sort of being like, okay, we can do this, we can do this, and the beauty of all these TV shows is they're not going to have to come out on this specific schedule. They could come out when they want. They could have seasons. They could be limited series. So I think they're like, well, people love Boba. We're going to give them Boba. 
And when they're all distracted by Boba, because they will, especially that Caruso household <laughs> in Chicago, um, we're going to be figuring out how to navigate Grogu, Luke, and Din. And I know I just rambled there. I'm sorry. Well, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to diminish the Luke Skywalker moment, right? Yeah. So how does he get back, Grogu? Like how? Because you don't. It, it, it's got to be something, and in, in, they've got to write it in a way where it, it's impactful. How does he wind up? Where do we follow Grogu? And the interesting thing is, I just want to ask you this: If you get CGI Mark Hamill, would you accept Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker? Well, I think like, that's that's what they have to to debate, and I think that. I stand by kind of the opinion that Luke is never going to be a focal point of any of this. That's what I think. They're going to rely on things like Boba and Ahsoka and all that to run them through this. And, and to your point, Nico about Boba, I think my impression is that at first, okay, this is Mando season three is Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. Like that is a chapter in this book that they're writing at the end of the, after kind of looking online and at the end of the day, I'm thinking, okay, the way they left Mando with the dark saber, they've projected him into something where Bo-Katan and, and the more Mandalorian aspect, him coming out of the cult of whatever it was, keep your helmet on. This is the way and moving into what you would could argue is like the true bloodline of, of the Mandalorian. And there's a lot of talk about Mandalore being gone and the reestablishment of this. And it feels like they're shifting the Mandalorian din in particular into that space and then they're refocusing Boba Fett into more of the outlander, outer rim, the story that we got in the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. They're going to refocus that to Boba Fett. He's sitting on the throne of, of the huts or Jabba, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. And they're going to run that show. And then they're going to have the force kind of fulfilled by Ahsoka. I'm assuming that's where we're going to see Grogu and Luke cross back over. And then you're gonna have the Mandalorian doing the Mando Filoni stuff and picking up that thread. Some culmination point could be, as they've announced at the Disney investors call that these shows are all gonna amalgamate into something, is maybe your Gideon or your Thrawn, where your Thrawn feels like the common thread where you can build in the force, you can build in the outer rim, you can build in the empire. Absolutely. And there's some common thread that builds you narratively at least through all of this. And so I think they have a plan for all this. And I think they're going to go in a direction that, that yes, serves kind of the greater Star Wars fandom. But I think one of the biggest understated flaws, maybe in how they progressed with the sequel trilogy is that there wasn't a through line. Yeah. I think narratively, I think that each director, their interpretation in a singular form is great. But when you look at it holistically, it falls short. Um, they, they miss out on where I think they've taken advantage in this show, pulling those threads and pulling those through lines all the way through to fruition and then to build to something else. Like we see at this, basically we see the conclusion of the Grogu story to a degree, but at the same time, it kicks off a whole nother aspect of it. And so there's so much they can do here, guys. And we know what's coming at us already, but I think that that Fett show is its own thing. Carlos, you and I had this discussion in the DM a bit. Where are you sitting with Fett at the end of this and where are you sitting with Din? Like, is Mando its own thing 
or is Mando like an anthology where you get chapters built into it where we could take a, a year break from seeing Din and get the Mandalore or the Siege of Mandalore Part 2 in 2022. Yeah, and, and part of it, like, going back and forth with friend of the show, Kyle from the Tumbling Saber, like, I think we were both kind of on the same page that the Mandalorian is now morphing into an anthology show. So we had two seasons of kind of the story of Din Djarin and the and the child and now the child moving on was kind of the capper for his season and just and maybe and that pragmatism comes in again where they kind of announced mandalorian season three christmas 2021 and then you get the date for the book of boba being christmas 2021 i'm kind of thinking that they're one in the same where the mandalorian is now an anthology and yeah you get mandalorian season three but the Mandalorian that you're following is going to be Boba Fett. And and maybe season four is going to be um, the reclamation of Mandalore. And you bring Din back with the dark saber and book 10 and the power struggle over that. And, uh, but I do think that you're right, Tim, in that everything they're doing is going to be building to one grand event that I suspect Grogu is going to be kind of the thread that Mm -hmm. ties everything together. So, and that kind of speaks to uh, Din kind of promising him that they'll cross paths and meet again. So that's kind of where I'm at. But like I said, my my pragmatism got the best of me with every, <laughs> every prediction I made with <laughs> season two of The Mandalorian. So, yeah. and it's, so are, are we expecting Grogu rules the galaxy? <laughs> yes. That's he, what it all relates to? He's the supreme yeah. leader. He is the one actually pulling the strings. Supremely, Grogu. Yeah, it's like Men in Black. He's inside Snoke. And he's just. <laughs> I just, I just want to hear him talk, though. You know, I hope that when we do see him again, that he's maybe a little bit older and he and he speaks. Does yeah. he speak like Yoda? Do you think? Yes, I. I hope so. I hope no, so. Then? I, I hope do. So. No, I. That's what I like. Do no, yeah, he got it. He has to. <laughs> All but right, you guys, look, you guys are right. We're going to see this stuff for years and years to come. We, they, they've just said it's just beginning. Yeah, it's the beginning it, of a beautiful story that's going to carry on for for a long time. And and Disney Plus is the platform for this. Like, yeah. what? They, right. they gave Star Wars so much in that Disney Investors Day on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Like, there's two feature films coming out, right? One of them yep. is, is Rogue Squadron, which is going to be a bit of a tossback, I think. It's going to be finding its space in the original trilogy in some form. And you got Taika Waititi, which he's he's an amazing director, but he speaks to me at least the way he directs as as some form of singularity. Like he's going to do yeah. something that's going to be on its own, and it, and if it's successful, they'll build, and if it's not, then they'll say, "Hey, this is a one off, and this one is what we're doing." Right? Mm-hmm. This year has a long term plan. Disney mm-hmm. Plus got what 90 percent of the focus for star wars and mm-hmm. this is the platform they're going to build from they're going to take a break from the theatrical stuff for a bit like till 2023 and even that that's going to be still a singular film that's that's not a series that's not the kickoff to a trilogy that is something that is going to likely reside on its own it's going to be a story that's tucked into star wars but it's not going to be the kickoff of the next trilogy Disney Plus is where it's at. And I think we can universally agree that we're happy with that. Like just mm-hmm. listening to all sure. this, I it, it, it's, 
it's been an incredible conversation and it's been a conversation where we're, we're focused on the positives we're focused on the next steps and we're focusing on what they delivered and the smiles and the happiness and the, the stories and how it interconnected all of us in, in a very special way, but also had a very personal resonance with each and every one of us from different aspects of our life. And I love that. And it's beautiful. And guys, I, I want to thank you so much for, for jumping on the podcast, jumping on the live stream here with us. We want to thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. All of you guys. It was, uh, it was an honor and a pleasure to be able to converse with you guys because it, it really, like I said, we, we witnessed something historical in pop culture and Star Wars. And so what, what better way than to talk, talk to you guys about it. So thank you. Oh. And real, real quick. I'm not sure if you two know this because Carlos and Timmy probably don't know this. So um, our, our podcast in about three weeks is going to only celebrate our two year anniversary. Amazing. We started off as just a little hobby. It was the three of us in an office recording on a phone, recording on the phone. The phone. Yeah. And we just did it because we wanted to talk and we wanted to put our thoughts out because we were mad about Justice League. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then we kept doing it. Yeah. And then we found a name. Then we met some cool people. And not even two years later, we're on this amazing show with two dudes from Canada yeah. talking about Thank Star you. Wars who are so welcoming. And it is true. People in Canada are way nicer than the U.S. <laughs> you, you guys are so awesome and i mean what a way yeah thank you to spend a friday and this moment that meant so much to at least us yeah, too, the fact sure, that we yeah, get to, yeah. to talk about it with two people who care just as much who we don't know each other too too well but if there's one awesome thing that happened in 2020 it's getting to know people through the virtual world 100 it's just yep. an example of how powerful Absolutely. that can be so thank yeah. you so well much. and thank you like what a special show like the the stories that you guys shared with us are incredible, incredible. So yeah, I, I'm so happy that we got to share this episode with the folks that tuned in tonight and everybody that'll hear it as a podcast. And Absolutely. yeah, that, yeah, this ended up being perfect. Perfect. Yes, I agree. Something that was just kind of, Hey, can we make this happen in DMS to, yeah. I, I couldn't be happier. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knew what would have happened, right? Exactly. <laughs> we were successful. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, guys. Well, well, before we uh end the live stream here, guys, why don't you give the, the podcast a bit of a pump here and let everyone know where they can find you, social media, what it is you guys are doing, what's next, what's 2021 look like for the vigilante boys? Beautiful. Uh Zena, kick it off. Kick us off. So oh wow. Well, if you want to follow me. Personally, you can follow me at PapaZ underscore 95 on Twitter. You can follow our show, the Vigilante 1939 on Twitter. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go check us out. Uh, We just did the Disney's Investors Day recap. It was our latest episode. Uh, Nico and I will be covering Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which should be dropping very soon, which is on Netflix. So go check that film out. And I do want to thank you guys so much again the mandalorian i didn't think was going to bring me this much joy but now it bought me even more friends so now i have star wars to thank even more for that so thank you guys i wish you guys a happy holiday and a very prosperous new year and that goes for all your listeners as well amazing i can't follow that um <laughs> well, i haven't been able to follow you guys up all night so well <laughs> i love you guys uh, 
Uh, you you could follow me at N I K K O C A R U S O. That's at Nico Crusoe on Twitter and Instagram. Just like Zenik said, we have a show called uh, The Vigilante 1939. Follow us on Twitter. And Zenik and I also do film and TV reviews for the Let's Go podcast. That's at the Let's Go podcast. We also do the podcast sometimes as well. So last week, uh, we did a show reviewing Netflix's Mank, directed by David Fitcher, and Amazon Sound of Metal. And tomorrow we will be recording a review of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, starring Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis. It looks like uh, Chadwick Boseman might be finding some Oscar love um, in mm. this very unfortunate future he has. And so he's watched it already. I have not. I'm going to watch it tomorrow, and we're going to talk about it. And then we also just um, – we came from a live stream with the Let's Go podcast straight out of Gotham in the Bat and Book Club where we're, mm-hmm. we were doing a hungerthon. Um, trying to raise some funds. So go follow those accounts. And I think there's still time to donate and participate in the option. I put up some rare Funko Pops on those. Yeah. World <laughs> Central Kitchen is what they're raising money for. So thank you. Throw them some love. Yes. Yes. And guys, Listen, I, I back off these guys. And uh, I have a lot of fun on Twitter with all you guys. And God bless you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. The best to you and your families. And, we get through this year, things are going to get good. I think we're going to be fine heading into 2021. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's hopefully going to be a beautiful year. We can see a little bit of that light at the end of the tunnel. But keep your kids interested. I, I, you guys are lucky that the kids are interested in what you do because it, it's so much fun to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I didn't have a community like you guys do talking to everybody. So I, I, unfor- I had my son, fortunately, mm-hmm. and I never feel like I forced it on him, but you know, it's it's cool. It's really cool. You did the right thing. <laughs> I made him a Cubs fan, though. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Forced him to be a Cubs fan. Well, so. I had to do that, or else I wanted to be able to live here. So. Bottom <laughs> choice. I'm just kidding. He would have did the Montreal no, Expos right. when he moved to Washington. So I, there you go. All right, guys. I uh, my internet just glitched out a little bit here, but. That must mean it's time to to wrap up the show. So, guys, thank you very much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. All the best to you guys out there. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Do the right thing, guys. Make the hard choices this this Christmas season, this holiday season. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys here talking Mando, talking Star Wars. And, guys, we got a whole bunch more coming at you in 2021 from the Nerd Room. You guys know where to find us, nerdroom.net, at the NerdRM on Twitter, on Instagram, or handles, of course, always at the end of the show. and Guys, just just enjoy, man. Put a smile on your face. Run with this. It, it's it's a time to to just reflect a little bit. We've all had a tough year, and and Star Wars delivered here, and the community delivered here. And so, thank you guys very much for being part of this. And guys, thank you very much for entering the inner room. Stay safe. Happy holidays, and all the best. Cheers. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at the Nerd RM, Troy the Boy eighty seven, Sanjabi and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.